With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Happy Chronicles Happy Hour, the show where we hang out with friends and fans from around the league and have a good time. This week, Brady and I were joined by Bradford William Davis from the New York Daily News. Without further ado, here's our interview with Bradford. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by my co-host, McCovey Chronicles writer and jack of all trades, Brady Klopfer. Brady, how are you? I am doing well, Sammy. How about yourself? I am good, but unfortunately, um, so it's been a little while since we talked to you. I have to ask you for your brief thoughts about the Warriors. Yeah, you know, honestly, I couldn't muster any sadness about the result. I was so sad about the serious injuries sustained by Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson that I just didn't have anything left in my emotional tank to be upset that they didn't win especially since it didn't feel like they did anything wrong they just kind of ran until their legs fell off yeah um, it did almost feel like literally time caught up with them yeah and that happens i'm i can live with that you know it was it was it's sad when when you feel like the team you're rooting for isn't giving everything they have or made some mistakes that shouldn't have gone their way but when they've just been doing this for five years and gave it everything they had down to the point of trying to play through injuries and getting injured worse, uh, there's something kind of poetic about that, even though it sucks. Yeah, but I guess if, if you're going to go out, it, it's, I guess, a little better to go out knowing, I mean, you did everything you could and it was just, you know, just wasn't, wasn't their year to keep it going. Uh, yep. I was, and they I, did the one thing that like I didn't think was possible, which is that they ended the season as like good guys. They ended the season with people having empathy for them and even rooting for them a little bit. And that's just crazy for a team that has spent three years establishing themselves as supervillains. Yeah. That all of a sudden everything switched around and now everyone's like, oh, the Warriors. <laughs> I was in San Francisco the night that they lost because I don't I'm not or I don't live there anymore. But uh, I was out and it was oh, it was a sad night to be out there. 
Uh, anyways, we are joined here today with Bradford William Davis of the New York Daily News. Bradford, how are you? Yeah, what's up? I'm good. So uh, thank you for being with us today. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit more about you? Gladly. Yeah, so um, I am a sports writer for the New York Daily News. I am, uh, you know, kind of dip my toes in anything and everything, but I'm baseball focused. So a lot of Yankees, some Mets, you know, some, like I said, some Knicks here and there. Um, and uh, otherwise, you know, uh, born and raised in New York and, uh, you know, hope to stay as long as I can afford it. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, but, uh, so, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what that looks like, but, you know, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm happy to happy to be here and joining y'all to mm-hmm. talk about everything and nothing. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you. And since we're talking about everything, did you have any thoughts about the uh, the finals this year? Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a shame that uh, the Warriors' bodies got like grounded into powder. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like uh, that that sucks. It's it's hard, it's hard it's hard to win a championship when you get Thanos, even when you have four superstars. Oh, like so, you know. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I was happy with the Raptors, honestly, because I, I, you know, I do like Kawhi Leonard. I think I think that uh, the whole uh, atonal, you know, uh, dispassionate sort of thing is 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 a, a brilliant troll, <laughs> and that and that and that he's a much more and that you know and that he probably gave a few awkward answers as a young as a younger man, and he's now just kind of rolling with it, and I love it, and I hope that he continues to do, you know, to do his best Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man impersonation as long as possible. Uh, I love that um, theory. I, I'm totally sold for it. You know, he is, you know, he, he probably wears like rainbow boxer briefs and, you know, like does like extreme BMXing, you know, in, the, <laughs> in, his, in his spare time. Um, and, you know, it has someone, you know, uh, <laughs> well, right. you... I don't know, a, a, a friend, you know. <laughs> um, I, I I fully believe that uh, he just uh, you know he's he's it's, a, it's just it's a show, it's a game, it's a it's a wonderful scam, and I hope that you know he just keeps it going. I always thought it was funny on the uh, the Game of Zones series that the the Spurs were always kind of like depicted as the White Walkers, and then Kawhi left. I was like, oh no, that that wasn't just the Spurs. It's <laughs> very you know, like serious. Uh, okay, so we actually we have a little getting to know you quiz, and we did we've done this with Brady already, so we're just going to be asking you if you were commissioner for a day, what would you change? Commissioner, so like MLB commissioner, am I, yeah, am I correct? Sorry, all right. sorry, I should have trained no, no, respect to baseball. <laughs> oh no, all, all good, all good. Man, there were so many things. Like. Should, should I like keep it down to like six? Six is <laughs> um, good, yeah. All right, all right, okay. So one is I would uh, immediately have just like a you know uh, a pride day that would just start right now. You know, like you know cho- choosing a day where every team plays like you know on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday is just uh, one of those days where there's always thirty ba- no or other fifteen baseball games going. Um, it's kind of ridiculous that like teams can kind of skirt around that. And I would love just any anyone who's watching to know that they are welcome to uh, love the game, root for it, and you know maybe one day play it. So uh, that's 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 one. Two, I would uh, love any single person, or rather, I would love I would love MLB to, to do so much more for uh, spreading. I think the the beautiful history and stories of the game in a way that is honest to the league. 
So like so many, there's so many hate, you know, hagiographies. Is that am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, but like so, you know, so so many like uh, you know, I think I think of like for example the Jackie Robinson story, uh, movie that uh, Jay Z produced uh, like seven eight years ago. That just missed so much of the of the true story of, of uh, you know how hard it was to be you know the first African American in the league. Uh, you know, uh, it, it you know it made uh, it sort of you know wiped baseball's hands from you know what it caused you know from, from the problems it caused. In yeah, his, they, in his, uh, life. Yeah. they do really Go gloss on. over all of the uh, the unpleasantness. Yeah. That yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it a nice feel good yeah. story, but yeah. So, so I, I would I would love them to just get give their vast pocketbooks to creators who love and care about the stories to just kind of tell the truth. I think you know I think that would build a uh, level of rapport and integrity with their fans uh, and with you and with you know and with new fans I think as well by just kind of like. Keeping it all the way real and just telling interesting stories, you know. So like, and that's just not just not just Jackie. You know, we could talk about Doc Ellis. We could talk about the Black Sox. We could talk. You know, we could we could talk about so many dope things. We, you know, you could do a whole freaking Showtime miniseries on the '80s Mets. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you, know, you what, what, I mean? what you thought a good platform went for that would be. Oh yeah, that the '80s Mets should be a miniseries. Bam, I'd watch like, that. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I want, you know, I want people that, to be able to just kind of wreck, run point on, t- you know, whether, whether it is historical fiction, you know, documentary based on a true story, et cetera, stuff, mm-hmm. but like, just, you know, but just, you know, not have to worry about approvals <laughs> and just be like, you know, this is what it was, uh, in all its glory and its pain. And, uh, and just kind of keep, you know, keep the, you know, uh, keep the conversation, keep, keep baseball in, you know, in the conversation. No, you know, and a whole lot of my my theories, like three to six, basically. You know, my my theories, rather my my uh, strat my my strategies, my initiatives. If I was commissioner for a day, would all just be about like giving people the power to tell the stories. Um, like I think about like you know their 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 content restrictions oh. that exist on social media. The way you know the way everybody you know has gotten uh you know has gotten their 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 crap uh deleted or taken down when they want to share a cool gif of like a curveball yeah like you know i think about like you know the uh the way the only way you could find videos of like highlights basically not you know baseball too it's like very very minimal credit has loosened up like a little bit in recent years but nonetheless you know the find most highlights exist on the mlb website um which would be okay if they were like worth watching if they didn't have a 30 second interview for like a 12 second <laughs> highlight, you know? Well, um, right. And they have them kind of minimized to such short videos now that it's almost yeah. like not worth watching. Yeah. You yeah, get like it, an it, eight it, strike. It yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on, Brady. You just, they have like last year when they changed to when you do a, a a pitching highlight and it's like an eight strikeout outing and they show you the eight strikeouts in like 10 seconds instead of like two minutes you don't actually see a windup or anything after the swing and the miss. You just get like bang, 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 and then it's over. Yep. And it makes it so it's so counterintuitive to like actually be able to sit and enjoy and appreciate uh, the great things that happen every night on ball fields. I think the game is in desperate need of some rule refresh uh, refreshes. I think that uh, reliever usage is kind of out of control with uh, peace to all the openers doing great work but like as far as like a you know from a fan experience it is not as cool <laughs> as it, you know <laughs> as watching you know two ace starting pitchers battle it out for eight innings um that's the stuff that makes legends that's the stuff that makes documentaries you know 
right. Jack Morris versus John Smoltz <laughs> in Game Seven of the World Series. You know that that you know that's like the dope stuff. Um, seven relievers combining for uh, a no hitter is like not that cool. <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't make movies about that. Yeah, they don't make movies about about combined no hitters. I never want to see another toast in vacation about a combined no hitter ever again. That that <laughs> issue is. And uh, you know, I, I think they should fix fix their uh, fix the fixed ball that's leading to freaking five hundred home runs. <laughs> you know, every week. Again, it just feels fake at this point. Like, I, you know, I love home runs, but I also like uh, other parts of baseball, like, you know, like stolen bases and, you know, and bunts and stuff. Like, I, again, I understand, you know, there was a difference between optimal strategy and, and you know, and baseball as an entertaining product. And, you know, I think, and I think you kind of lose, you know, you lose uh, a lot of the beauty of the various ways you can impact the ball game when you have designed i guess you know the baseball to react in a certain way that only prioritizes hitting it hitting it very far or striking someone out um you know i I think i'm like a little bitter about that because the giants haven't benefited from it like at all (laughs) yeah yeah that i I find that funny i struggle with park effects sometimes not not because obviously parks don't you know impact (laughs) you know or or other the size of parks and whether in the climate and everything don't impact like offensive pitching and all that but like how like everybody hits home runs in at AT and T except for or, or or is it Oracle now? It's Oracle now. It's Oracle. I'm sorry. I, okay. I think, which uh which which firm or bank runs every <laughs> every stadium these days? But um right. yeah, when when you go to like you know like like how you know everybody hits a home run except for the poor Giants, right. <laughs> wearing Giants orange and black, you know. So uh, yeah. Did you have any more? I man, I I, I think I am uh, baseball fixed out. <laughs> Those okay. were pretty spectacular. Yeah, no, that was like a well-prepared list. <laughs> so now we have our second question, which is, if you had to give an impromptu TED Talk, what could you talk about at length? What could I talk about at length? Clearly, how to fix baseball. <laughs> I mean, yeah, two um, Double answer. <laughs> Double answer, right? Now, I mean, um, how to be mediocre at video games. I could talk about that forever. <laughs> how to be just okay at writing, you know, like um, world's okayest writer, you know, put that on mug, you know. I disagree with that, but. Oh, well, 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 thank you. I appreciate it. You know, um, how to come to a podcast unprepared and yet sound as though I have a, a, (laughs) you know, long rigorous consideration of, you know, uh, of, of what I would do given a sudden career change. Like all, you know, I'm, I, I could I could fill any TED 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 talks or TEDx with uh, valuable content that you know could uh, I guess really really entrench me as, a, as, a, as not just a writer but a thought leader capital T capital L. I mean, it's all about confidence. Come in there acting like you know what you're talking about, and they'll believe you. Well, shoot, there you go. Confidence. There's the TED talk in uh, in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite ballpark food from any park. Ballpark food from any park. You know, I was at a Cleveland game about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, and I had like a pulled pork sandwich with flaming hot Cheetos on it, what? and it was like extra fire. Like you know, not just because of the flaming hotness of the Cheetos, like it was like it was good. It was uh you know crunchy, and it was spicy, and it was a lot, a lot of animal products. I don't know, like I, I was a fan, you know. That's wild. Is it the standard like pulled pork sauce? Uh, you know, I don't recall. I think I think there was some sort of barbecue sauce on it. Yeah. yeah. It was honestly the best thing I had in Cleveland. 
Cleveland's not a big food city. No. <laughs> Cleveland's not an amazing food city. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, no offense to the Clevelanders listening to this, you know, Bay Area centric baseball podcast, but <laughs> you know, but yeah, um, you know, the pulled pork sandwich, was, you know, with flaming hot Cheetos was quite good, and I definitely need to try and like recreate that at home. I have, I have a slow cooker, I think, or Instapot. I don't know, someone of those joints, but yeah, I'm gonna do it. There you go. It'll go. probably be better if you make it at home. <laughs> and twenty dollars cheaper. Right. Yeah. Hey, that's so uh we like to ask everybody what made them fall in love with either baseball or your specific teams. And so what's your story? I got an interesting story. Um, I think. It might be a terrible story. But I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out when I drop like your podcast ring from like five stars to like two. We'll see. Um so I you know, I I grew up, you know, I guess I grew up born and raised in New York. I uh you know, so I, I came of age during the dynastic Derek Jeter late nineties Yankees. You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't like a fan fan, you know, through a lot of that run. I went the, my first game I went to Yankees game I went to with my dad was in ninety nine. My dad, my brother, my uncle. And it was against Boston, but it was rained out. I just remember a guy jumping on the field going crazy. Um that was fun. <laughs> Uh, but that's all I remember because, because, you know, the whole game was rained out. We never, you know, and we didn't go to the makeup. Oh my God. That's so um, unfortunate. Yeah. 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 But then in 2000, uh, the year 2000, well, I don't know. Actually, I remember David Cohn's perfect game too. And that was cool. But like, I didn't like watch it, watch it. But in the year 2000, which was the last championship that, uh, Jeter's, uh, like the Bernie Williams and, and you know, well, not Andy Pettit, I guess Andy Pettit, you know, won again, no, nine, but. You know, um, a lot, you know, the, the last of that late 90s run, you know, the Joe Torre run. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Yankees had a subway series against, you know, of course, the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, subway series denoting, you know, that both teams have subways that go to stadiums and all that. Anyway, but there was a rain out. So there was, so there was a so there was a double header, um, one in Yankee Stadium and one in Shea. And the, the Yankees were like, honestly, not that good that year. They won the World Series, but, they, you know, but like, you know what they were a lot like? They were a lot like that 2014 Giants team that you know was not that good. I was just gonna right? say that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah no, seriously. Like you know, they had a few stars, right? But like the rest of the roster was like I at best, and a lot of like scrubs. <laughs> you know, you know yep. like that sounds random, familiar. Yeah. You know, like so. Um, so that you know that was. Um, so that team was you know the team was was older you know but um and they had some pitching issues at least in the middle in mid season because a lot of guys were hurt. And so they actually picked up Dwight Gooden. Um, now this was now Doc Gooden at that point had already played for I think two teams that year. He was running like a six ERA, um, and they picked him up basically off the street as a free you know as a free agent you know and uh, and it was the second stint with the Yankees. You know he he actually had a fam- a pretty famous and beautiful comeback from all of his issues with both injuries and 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 drug addiction. Um, he threw a no hitter in '96 actually before the Yankees. You know. Um, but you know, but he left. He moved on. But and now he was like clear at the end of the road. But they picked him up, and he, you know, and he ended up pitching for the Yankees against the Mets. So it was the first time he ever played against the Mets in a, you know, regular season game. And he was pitching at Shea, you know, but just in like Yankee Grays. And so I was, you know, and so my dad was like, you know, just kind of intrigued, and you know, there was a lot of buzz in the city because it was the subway series, a brand new thing. Um, and uh, I ended up just kind of sitting down and watching it. And I don't know, something about it, like, you know, even though, he, you know, he was not like buzzing high 90s fastballs and it's like sick curveballs and everything. But just him, like, just seeing this, this like, this dude who had clearly been through a lot, like, you know, um, and, you know, like, 
really gutted out and he actually ended up, you know, uh, winning the game and keeping, you know, I think, I think it's some good defense behind him, you know, but just watch, just watching him like really think like, uh, you know, without, without his best stuff or any stuff really <laughs> on how to like, you know, on, on how to keep, keep these batters off his toes and, you know, and, and all the buzz and the cheering. Cause again, it was like, you know, the Mets watching Mets fans anyway, watching their guy, you know, watching like their second greatest pitcher ever, you know, <laughs> you know, on their, you know, in, in the franchise history go against them and everything. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of beautiful, right? Like just seeing the strategy and you know, and and, and the great determination, and it, you know, um, I think uh, you know, probably on, on a lower key, like you know, uh, seeing you know um, a a black man like you know pitching, I think was kind of cool because like you know, I hadn't seen, I you know, if you if followed game, you know, the trends in the game, a lot of you know, African American participation is like way down from like the eighties. And so, you know, we were, it was already starting to be felt by that point. But like, um, but yeah, but this, yeah, so, so seeing someone with my hair and my skin, like, you know, like just yeah. kind of like doing his thing was kind of cool. Like, I don't know, it was, it was you know, um, all these things really just made, you know, just really just, just made it quite interesting to me. And I, and I just, and it, and it gave me a, uh, it, ga- it gave me a, a vision for like how cool the sport could be. And so, uh, you know, I started, um, my career as a medi- mediocre video game player. Uh, shortly <laughs> after, I purchased Triple Play Baseball um, for my PlayStation One. Um, I think it had Mike Piazza in the cover. Uh, you know, playing on easy mode, crushing it. Um, and you know, but like you know, but, but but being inundated with all the statistics and everything was just like really fun. You know, and, and I, I don't know. I just I always like numbers. So like so uh, so I, I pretty much had any everyone's baseball card stats. You know. Batting average, home run, RBI, ERA, win loss record, memorized encyclopedically at that point. You know, <laughs> um, it was you know it was kind of weird. Uh, honestly, I probably didn't make a lot of friends with that, but I, I really, you know, but, I, but, I, but I really did. Uh, but I really did dig it. Well, thank you, Sammy. Um, <laughs> someone, I wish you were my friend when I was eleven. <laughs> you know, and, and playing video games or you know playing triple play baseball and reciting all the stats to myself for like four hours a night. Um, but yeah, you know, and then of course the Yankees end up did, did end up winning that year. They won the World Series. They beat the Mets in the subway, you know, in the subway series. And I don't know, man, they they hooked me in. And uh, and of course my, you know, it's it's a common story, but like you know, having a, a parent that loved the game as well is always a big thing. And so uh, I, uh, you know, so I got to like watch a lot of these games. My dad, he would he would either uh, keep me up to watch the playoff games, or he would uh, wake up me in the morning and tell me, you know, who won, who lost. You know, he, you know, I, uh, in the game five of the World Series, which was, a, which was a clincher, you know, I had to go to bed at some point, but he woke me up for the final, you know, final inning. So I, I saw Bernie Williams catch Mike Piazza's uh, deep fly ball that he almost got all of, you know, it was a close <laughs> series, if people remember, but like, even though it was, even though it ended five. And, and uh, I remember, I remember, oh, I remember going to school the next day because I grew up in Queens. So it was like, you know, so, you know, Queen, you know, maybe 20 minutes from Shea Stadium, actually. So uh, there's a lot of Mets fans in the neighborhood um, and having like just everyone uh, banging on lunchroom tables in sixth grade. You know? <laughs> Yank, let's go Yankees. Let's go Mets. And that was the, whole- <laughs> the next day. It was, it was really cool, man. So, so I, I can't, you know, so I was like, I came of age and I, I'm glad I caught it. You know, I caught a real interest in it. You know, the last, you know, the last year the Yankees had a really special Yankees team that won it all. So, uh, so that so that, that that's what that's what kept me in. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Or got me. That's a great story. That's a lot of fun. That is. So can I ask, how did you end up writing for the New York Daily News? Yo, I, uh, it's, it's kind of, I, I'm still not sure. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I, what I think I understand the story. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I re- always enjoyed writing um, from dumb poems to argumentative essays to, you know, uh, all that stuff when I was a kid. Um, I was always an avid reader. And uh, I thought at one point I would be a journalist, but I went to a school that was very business focused. And so uh, I ended up getting I ended up getting an econ- economics degree, thinking I would either actually work for a sports franchise or I work in finance. Either little God plan, God plan for me is all good. Um, I ended up get working these startup jobs, you know, like entry level sort of joints. And uh, but still, you know, thinking about writing here and there. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, you know, I'm working these startup jobs, you know, but, but writing here and there. And I decided I wanted to pursue writing a little bit more, at least think about it. Uh, just as I had some people in my life tell me that, like, you know, I could write a little. And so um, I took a job as a technical writer, which is um, the most boring form of writing. It's, you know, it's really just uh, it's it, it's it's creating instructional instructional documentation. Oh, that's what I for thought how it was. To use, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, but, 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 but good work if you can get it though. But, you know, it pays all right. They 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 under, they actually really underpaid me, but I, I learned that after I signed. So you know, it probably really person. sharpens like the way you think about things for like yeah how to uh, explain things to the lowest common denominator. And and and, that, and honestly, that that's why I um that's why I took the job. Like yo, know, this will help me at least be thinking about like grammar and syntax and how to like be as clear as possible with my you know with, with my language so um you know so i didn't mind it um but uh but i got laid off a few months into my technical writing gig i'm like dang all right <laughs> like uh what am i what, what am i gonna do so i started I, I was looking for other jobs but i, but I start but uh, a dear friend of mine a woman named uh, morgan who is who is a giants fan actually nice. a huge giants fan um and uh but she but she uh we we met in new york but she lives in chicago now but we, but she, she's been wanting to blog with me for years. Like literally, like she's been, she's been hounding me, chasing me down. I always told her no. But like we ended up starting this little, this little newsletter where we write about social issues as they intersect with sports. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, and uh, so the, so the newsletter was called Foul and Fair. And you know, honestly, I mean, like considering it was just me and her, like doing stuff in between our, you know, her busy life and my not having a job life. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, you know, we had some hits on that and um, we uh, developed, you know, a, a small, but like, you know, readership, but one that really, you know, that was pretty affirming of what we we're doing, you know, with, and with a few sports writers who were reading it as well. So like, there was some people who encouraged me like, uh, what's it? who can I shout out at this point? Oh yeah. Uh, Jason Concepcion, um, who's a, a fantastic NBA writer. And like, and he's like, this, I want to say he's a senior creative director at, at uh, The Ringer now. Um, he does the fantastic Emmy-winning NBA desktop series. Uh-huh. Brady, you remember that, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, but like, uh, so yeah, but J- you know, Jason was you know, very affirming. Uh, Jonah Carey, you know, y'all know from as, mm-hmm. you know, grand dude, baseball writer, phenomenal, kind person, you know, was, su- you know, super encouraging and stuff. So it's all right, like, you know, and Morgan, of course, as well. And so I just uh, started applying for jobs with some of the clips I had. And I started getting them. <laughs> like, 
I got a staff job for this media company that they don't exist anymore because media's dead. Um, I uh, <laughs> let's see. Then I, you know I, I was uh, blogging for Vocative, which is also dead. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know seriously, it's all bleak. Uh, stuff is it's, it's crazy, yo. But um, and then um, you know, but then but uh, but freelancing other other places. I, I I you know baseball's not my only writing interest. I wrote about film a little bit. I got a I got to write, you know, um, with a, a writing fellowship with the New York Film Festival, but just kind of like, you know, just taking anything, I, anything people would offer me. And then I was at HBO for a couple of years doing some uh, on more on the content marketing side, but, you know, been doing a lot of interviews and articles about HBO programming. I know I've never seen Game of Thrones, uh, except except for the what? battle. You didn't tell us that before we asked yeah, you to come I, on I here. Know, we probably disconnect. Know. Yeah, I know. So this is, this is, the, this is the podcast and it gets a two-star rating. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> But yeah, I did watch the Battle of Winter, Winterfell, fell actually, and it was really dark. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> what's going on, except you know. But actually, no, I kind of did because I, because I, because I'm literary in meme culture, oh, so yeah. I was like, oh yeah, Arya, yeah, she's that chick, like, and, like, uh, <laughs> and John Stark, he knows few things. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, you know, so that, that yeah, helped. But, but here's the thing about the last season of Game of Thrones. Like, you really didn't ever have to watch the show to know what was going on if you were ever on Twitter. Because it's like, you're going to know what's going on just Ex- from exactly. Twitter. Yep. Exactly. For me, like, being, like, watching, like, Insecure and then seeing, like, Game of Thrones and you saw that, I felt like I, I had a decent grasp of what was going on. <laughs> or Big Little Lies, which is, the, in my opinion, the, the, the finest show on the network at this moment. Um, but... Yeah, so you know, so I was HBO for a couple of years, you know, a lot of the sports stuff, and uh, but like blogging here and there, and writing, you know, and writing when I could, and uh, and my, uh, my guy Kyle uh, Wagner, who's you know my now boss at Daily News, uh, you know, uh, recruited me. I wasn't sure at first, um, but I've been reading the view of Daily News forever, and I love Kyle. Like he's a you know phenomenal writer, phenomenal editor, and uh, I'm not saying that even though even though he hired me and is a significant reason why I'm able to like pay rent and everything. I'm not saying that. Um, just for, just because of that, you know, I always, I always admire him. Um, and, uh, yeah, he like, you know, but he, but he, you know, believed in me and, and he, uh, uh, asked me to, at one point to freelance for the daily news. I wrote a column about the, uh, Tim Anderson controversy from about a month, a month and a half ago, Whichever or two months ago, be. maybe. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, about, you know, sort of, sort of the, the racial dynamics that led to the conflict, uh, at hand, him bad flipping and getting pegged in the ass with like a <laughs> fastball, and then you know, and, and the suspension that was handed, you know, handed subsequently and all that. But uh, yeah, and so that you know, that was I guess ended up being I guess a strong sort of testament to my ability to possibly do do that on a regular basis. And he offered me a job as a columnist, and so uh, now I'm just now I'm the sports columnist and do you know uh, the daily news. <laughs> That's really awesome. Do you, are you like covering, um, are you doing like weekly columns or are you doing like beat work? I'm doing a little both. You know, Daily News is pretty pretty small staff, small sports staff. There is a Yankees writer, Yankees beat writer and a Mets beat writer. And there's a, also a Knicks and someone who covers both the Knicks and Nets on the beat, like the the beat for the Knicks and Nets. Um, and those Yankees and Mets writer, beat writers are also columnists, which is a lot to do, a lot to do for one person, you know, like all, all the reporting. A lot. It's like thousands of words a day, you know, and then also, you know, more perspective driven stuff like and so uh, so I'm kind of so what I do is that, you know, I, I will pinch it on them, you know, for them uh, on their beats. Like if mm-hmm. someone is like sick or needs it off there or whatever, like, you know, just show up to the ballpark or whatever or you know, even today. I was, you know, I, uh, I did the beat for the Mets. Um, and uh, but most of what I do is either, you know, blogs of various varying length, you know, that get printed on paper, I guess <laughs> <laughs> about uh, 
New York sports, you know, uh, that sort of supplement the reporting. Um, and, and an off it all reported as well. I, you know, I, I get, you know, one of the, co- the coolest things, uh, daunting at first, but really cool now, like, you know, is like I get to go to the stadium often, you know, I get a pie for cred, they'll give it to me, and I will, uh, you know, walk into the clubhouse and just kind of be like, hey, Jake DeGrom, <laughs> that slider was really dope. Tell me why. <laughs> and, then, and, and then he'll answer, but he'll answer my question. <laughs> and I write, Jake DeGrom's slider is really dope because... X or Y or Z. So I get to, you know, so I, I get to ask questions from, you know, the different managers and, and coaches and all that to help inform some of the curiosities I have. So it's like, not like just like me, like thinking, hmm, wonder why they're doing this, but I get to go and, and then, and that's my favorite part. I get to go and then ask people about my curiosities to see if they're, you know, if I'm onto something or not. And then, uh, and then print that out. So, uh, that's so that's a lot of my homework. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool, man. I, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't complain. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. So, is your friend, your friend Morgan, that you said was a Giants fan? I know that I, I gathered from talking to you over the last couple of years that you, some, you follow the Giants a fair amount. Um, is your friend the reason why, or did you have a? I, I mean, I mean, I mean, well, well, one thing is that you know the Giants were extremely good for a good six, five, six year run, you know. So every um, other year, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, like, you know, they made the playoffs in 2010, 12, 14, 16, you know, through championships um, and a lot of stars there. So, so of course, you know, I'd be watching teams, you know, on that, you know, on those merits alone. Morgan, of course, helped because she'd, you know, text me her complaints about Pablo or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Morgan. I, you're probably, I'm butchering your beliefs about the world. And <laughs> please forgive me. But, but yeah, uh, no. Like that, so you know, so it's it's that, and then I think, but I think just as big was, uh, frankly, you know, McCovey Chronicles alum Grant Brisby, um, being such a brilliant writer, um, and someone that like I, you know, I, I definitely admired from a distance, and so like he he wrote so well about the Giants, for SB Nation, and now the you know of course the Athletic that like uh, that gave me sort of a uh, a vested interest in the team. Just because I I'd be interested to see what, you know what he has to say about them, and you know, and he's so funny, all the Simpsons. Gifts and references, and you know, I'm I'm all about that. I need I need actually I need to work in some more Simpsons references. You know, am I? Um, I, I think there's a um, quota. Yeah, is there a quota? Is he is he is he is he filled the entire quota? I probably has. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying I think you have to have a certain number. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Got you, got you. Good. That's great. There's still there's still time for me. <laughs> I think that's still part hope, of man. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's coming so... up, Bradford. <laughs> so before we get into talking about the Yankees, um, you wanted to, and I want to talk about uh, Madison Bumgarner. So <laughs> I liked what you said when we were talking about it. What was your question? Oh, okay. So is Madison Bumgarner like a cool cop, like like on the, like like Andy Griffith show, or is he just a cop? <laughs> and uh, I think we might we might not see entirely eye to eye on this. But no. I was actually, I was actually pretty encouraged, not encouraged, encouraged another word. I was, you know, um, I, I was entertained by the, uh, by him barking at, uh, what's his, what's his Max dude? Muncy. Ma- yeah. Max Muncy, Max Muncy, uh, hitting that big home run and admiring it. Um, and him just getting mad and then him being on, you know, going back, going on, uh, in the post game being like, you know, let me be me. Let me, you know, like you, everyone says, let the kids play. Well, 
you know, shoot, like, <laughs> let me feel the way I want to feel. Like, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of, like, I kind of respected it. Like, but, I, You know what? I respect that, that viewpoint absolutely. And it's an argument many people have made to me because I, you know, did have a little complaint about it. My complaint wasn't that he yelled at Max Muncy because I, you know, I talked about this last week, but I... I don't mind. Like, if players want to have passion, even if that passion is anger that's not being expressed by throwing, like, a fastball at somebody's head, that's fine. But I didn't like that he felt the need to police Muncie. Like, oh, don't don't play the game that way. Like, that's what I hate about other people talking about baseball players. So I'm going to hate it when baseball players do it, too. But, yeah, I don't have a problem with him being kind of a hothead. I just, it, it's, it's silly sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I just didn't like that he was telling Muncie what to do. It's like, oh, come on, man. Right, yeah, I mean, I think in the heat of the moment, though, like, I, I, hear, I actually do hear what you're saying entirely. Like, because, like, I, I am very much pro let the kids play. I also, I'm also kind of, like, let the grumps grump so long as they're not, in, you know, enacting violence. <laughs> Right. And so, like, I mean, they go hand in hand. That, yeah. yeah. I think as time has moved on since the event, it's kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, because he's not, he's not really out here retaliating, like, doing anything stupid like that. So, if he, wants, if he wants to chirp, he can oh. chirp. <laughs> I feel like it's a growth for him because, like, you know, he, he has definitely initiated <laughs> uh, some benches clearing brawls in the past. So, like, yes. so look at it. Look at that. It's, you know, 29 year old and learning not to, you know, retaliate with, you know, with force. <laughs> I, <laughs> have to say, game. I, I uh, have such respect for the Dodgers, whoever makes the Dodgers t shirts, because they have had such fast turnaround with these Bumgarner shirts. It's like they're, they start making them during the game. Because what was the last one? It was uh, Don't Look at Me, and they had them in the dugout the next day. When what? The, uh, Puy- I did not see that. Okay, so and the a, Get It Out of the Ocean, they that had was, that ready the next that day. That was the one for Muncie, yeah. So uh, they had that. No, they had that same day. That shirt was on sale that night. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, Bumgarner and Puig have a long history of not liking each other, let's put it that way. Yep. And I think the last time they got into a skirmish, I think Bumgarner told Puig not to look at him. And the next day, the Dodgers showed up in t-shirts that said, don't look at me. And they all took pictures posting online of them all covering their eyes, I think. <laughs> I just I They deserve a lot of credit for that. They really do. Please. That's like innovative, yo. Like, yeah. that's like, that is quality. That's quality trash talk. Like, Absolutely. I respect it. <laughs> So speaking of starting pitchers that we all admire, um, let's talk about CeCe. Since he had a pretty big uh, milestone this week, didn't he? Oh, sure did. The big two five zero. He won two, He won his two hundred and fiftieth game. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Uh, that's a lot of games. I I wrote an article about it actually today on McCovey Chronicles because we run a we run a daily piece that just is is news from around the league, or I guess I wrote it yesterday, but I'm trying to pull it up here and see what the stat was. I think that 250 wins is as many as the Giants have had as a team since April 10th, 2016. <laughs> so, you know, Ooh. if you're a Yankees fan, that's mm. an amazing stat. And if you're a Giants fan, that's um, a really depressing stat. <laughs> uh, yeah, April 11th, 2016, the Giants have had 250 wins. That stat's oh. still alive, even since I wrote it, because they haven't been doing anything. But uh... oh. So, you know, if, if you're a Giants fan who's also from Vallejo, you can also still be happy. True, it's a mixed bag. You get, we love you get both sides. He is, aside from probably E40, probably the most famous uh, Vallejo alumni. Well, I don't know oh, if he... Wow. Yeah, well, he's from Vallejo. Uh, uh, Cece went to my high school, which was Vallejo High School. Um, I don't know about E40, but he's his cousin went to high school with me. So, so Bradford, 
Tell us a little about where CeCe's at in his career. Like, do you, is this his final season? Oh, well, yeah, this, you know, this, he is retiring at season's end. You know, this, this is, this is it. You know, oh. he's hanging it up. Um, I will miss him dearly because uh, he's, you know, as a, as a fan of the game, period. Always appreciated him, you know, as a Yankee fan growing up. Appreciated as well. Uh, he's, uh, I appreciated his, his, his heart, his hustle. Heart and hustle is a cliche. So let me say that better. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate uh, the, the 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 acts of leadership on and off the field, the way he, uh, you know, kind of the, the way he was always, um, he pitched through he pitched through injuries. You know, he uh, one thing that people may or may not know is that his knee is in bad shape. Um, he gets multiple. Um, he gets he he has his knee drain drain of fluid multiple times a year. Oh, um, it's yeah, like it's it's yeah yeah it's it's not good. There was a point where he was trying to lose weight so that he could, um, because you know he's a CC's a big dude. He's like six seven and you know you know a large man big and tall you know but like uh he uh trying to lose weight at one point earlier you know a few years ago because he because just the pain was was bad like you know as i recall it as you know that was a big big reason but uh he's pitched through it the way you know um you know he he when he was a, a younger man you know and his, and his first like four years of the yankees he had absolutely devastating stuff like you know hard 90s hot you know hard high 90s fastball mid high 90s fastball sweeping slider you know, strong command of both pitches, but like you know, but that stuff diminished as he got older, and he completely reinvented himself. He learned, you know, he learned to cut fastball from you know Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera to you know cutter, longtime cutter artists, and he you know transformed his game and became a, a very good pitcher again. You know, um, in the last few years of his career, you know, I love what I love what he has. Uh, you know, the way he seeks really really seems to give back to his community. Um, that he's, you know, him and his wife are constantly doing, you know, or frequently doing, you know, various charity, charitable initiatives. I love his, his swag, his composure. I love the slightly <laughs> cocked, you know, you know, cap <laughs> that he wears on the mound, you know. Yeah. Um, I love him cussing out umpires. And, you know, I love, I love me a grump. I love, you know, like, I love him. You know, I, I, re- I really, like, like, I, I know I'm, I'm taking, I, I'm completely losing all sort of, uh, credibility as a objective journalist here because i really do you know <laughs> since since childhood since he came up in the league i've always, I've always admired him even when he was with, with uh, cleveland like you know side, we um, want of you on the podcast yeah, so it's good. <laughs> yeah he's, he's, objectivity's you know, overrated yeah he's a he's a he's a tremendous you know he's a, he really is a tremendous figure in the game and uh and he'll be missed for so many reasons well beyond his on-field contributions which were you know significant and it's impressive that he was able to kind of reinvent himself, like he said, because it's not, it's not easy. And you see a lot of, you see a lot of players that just aren't able to do that. And they just kind of, I mean, our poor Tim Lincecum just kind of fizzled out, not even 10 years in. So I'm always impressed by a, uh, a veteran player that's able to like learn new tricks and make their career last a little bit longer. And I always love those star players who are not able to kind of reinvent themselves a little bit, but are able to comfortably slide into a little bit more of a supplemental role and be able to kind of put their ego aside, recognize that they're not that star that they once were, and still figure out how to be a very good player that can contribute to the team. There's there's something very beautiful and kind of honorable about that, that you know, he's what whatever he is, twelve years removed from the Cy Young Award, still happy to just be a part of a quality rotation. Yeah, that and that's always been uh, that's something that that was uh, you know uh, his manager Aaron Boone was talking about 
uh, after his contributions win that that uh, Sabathia's always been about you know the team even even as he's like approaching these these large milestones, um, not approaching crossing you know like the three thousand strikeout contributions win, you know that the most important thing to him was you know that his team is succeeding and that he can be a part of the, you know of that success, like much more than uh, you know than what than what it means for the name C. Sabathia or you know whatever Black Anchor Hall of Fame case he needs. So that's um, so cool. So since we're on the topic of uh, of the Yankees, what we like to do on this podcast is check in with fans or writers for other teams to kind of get to you know check in on how they're doing because a lot of a lot of us don't have time to follow all of the teams all in all of the games. So can you give us like a brief check in on how the Yankees are doing this year and what you think their uh, their future their short term future looks like in terms of like the this season? Well, the Yankees are one of like five good teams in baseball now, <laughs> um, you know, and, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. The main one being that not everyone really wants to try and compete. Um, and that's, you know, it's very obvious by the way you see free agents, you know, lingering well into the spring training or beyond it. Guys like guys like Craig Kimbrell, you know, who are has, is building a very strong Hall of Fame case through his, you know, career so far, like, you know, was just got signed. What? Two weeks ago, yeah. you know, by the by, by a contending team, you know, even even as bullpens are everywhere are like collapsing, left and right, like you know Dallas Keuchel, who again, pretty much every single team in the majors could 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 use what he was projected to provide at least, at least through the publicly available analytics that we have, you know, he seems to be a good pitcher still, <laughs> like you know, a solid above average dude, you know, who had to settle for again a one year deal, like it. <laughs> Weird ish is happening all around the league, and it's and it's and it's shady as hell, and yeah. uh, you know, and and pretty good teams, you know, aren't trying to go from pretty good to great in a lot of cases. You know, the Seattle Mariners being probably the most famous example of that recently. Teams like the you know like the Mets are doing seventy percent of the job to be great, and then uh, you know, and so what what do you, what do you, you have like a really, it's almost like uh, Marx's like theory of like the haves and have nots, and like just like growing inequality. But like baseball, like right. <laughs> um, that's terrible. How I get roasted in like you know a forum for that for, saying, you know, for, <laughs> no. for, for economic argument. But, but I think that works you know, for but, our audience. <laughs> great, wonderful. But like, yeah, but it's kind of like you know it, you, you got a few teams who are who are taking advantage of the not trying, and the Yankees are one of those teams. And even they have not you know spent spent to their to their capacity at least at least the, the Brazilian capacity, given that they are the most valuable franchise in like American sports worth billions of dollars, you know, and yet, and yet they have made very few free agency moves of any significance in the, you know, in the last few years. And, uh, but, you know, but, but it, don't, it don't matter when you got, you know, Aaron judge and, you know, you, you, they, the Yankees have actually developed, have done a very good job developing lots of homegrown, homegrown players. So we could talk about the positives. Um, well, last time I checked in on the Yankees, everybody was hurt. So that was probably about six <laughs> weeks ago. How but, are we doing now? They're, they're, they're less hurt. But that goes back to what I was saying, in that like I, you know, the Yankees are smart and they've been able to, to figure, you know, to find some good players. Like you know, there's a dude, uh, Gio Urshela, who's you know kind of high up in the roster voting for the for American League of third base. You know, they they picked up the scrappy Cameron Maven, um, who actually got hurt today. He got a calf injury, uh, but you know he's batting over 300. He's you know he's slugging the ball. Um, they 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 got him in Cleveland. I think they paid twenty five thousand dollars 
for the rights to his uh if I got that got that right, you know, which is like nothing in you know baseball contract terms or really. start the season on the Giants? I can't keep track anymore. I, I, I he was on he was on Cleveland. I believe he was in the Cleveland organization last year. Uh or this year rather, you know, and, and the Yankees had, you know, a purchase, essentially purchased him. Um and uh, you know, did not give anything for him. But they but you know, but he ended up playing a, a vital role, you know, as a as a spare outfield and he's OPSing close to nine hundred, you know, this year. Um, if not at 900, you know, like he's been, been phenomenal. Uh, you know, I was actually going to say, like I, I mentioned Gary Sanchez, who's been great all year, and he's, you know, going, he's at this point the best catcher in, in baseball. I don't think it's really uh, a strong argument for anyone else, save the occasional JT Real Muto stands, but we can cash that out later, you know, Philly Twitter or whatever. Um, but it makes uh, me sad that Buster Posey's no longer in that conversation. It makes me sad too because you know I I I enjoy watching Buster. He's a he's a great you know, and I still enjoy. I feel like, let me not talk about Buster Posey like, like he's like dead. Like he's right. still, <laughs> he still, he still very much exists, Buster. If you hear me, like you know, I believe I, I believe you know you know as you get healthier, you will get your line drive stroke back. But like you know, but yeah, but Gary's the man, and uh, he's you know he's a, he's a he's a joy to watch. Hit, hit home runs, uh, many of them, uh, and. Yeah, but they're but but yeah, but the Yankees, you know, the Yankees are, are very good. They are the you know they're probably the best in the East and and perhaps the best in American League. But I can't help but feel a little cheated, get, you know, given that I know that so that so many teams are not trying uh, to win. That like you know that it's, it's it seems like it's every it seems like even the good teams are a little bit inflated. It's weird that there are three you know right now that the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros are pre- are projected for over hundred wins. That is like you know that and, and the same thing happened last year. You know that's something that's that's pretty rare. And <laughs> uh, you know, in uh, baseball history, you know, three 100 win teams in the same league. But like, you know, that I think is a, te- a testament to how weak the floor, the bottom is at this point. The tank, the tanking is is sort of distorting. You know, I think the actual talent of the good teams. But Yankees are good. Yankees are good, and for their purposes, I think they're doing fine. You know, they they what they probably need is still, you know is is some help in the starting rotation, even though the rotation is not bad. Um, Luis Severino, who's like a, you know an ace and a a, a genuine top tenish sort of like pitcher. He's been out all year with shoulder issues. Uh, Delene Betances, who's been a, a, a absurdly great relief pitcher, um, is has been you know hurt all year with I believe you know I think he had a lat lat setback recently or something like that. Um, shoulder injury as well. Uh, we know so, you a know, couple they, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, you know, there's you know a lot of rumors about that. Yeah, everybody's pretty much convinced that Bumgarner's already gone. So, and we got some relievers. So, you know, give, give our people a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have I'll have my people in the your Yankees organization call. You know, your people. <laughs> I I'll have no that's, people. That's how it works. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Same here. I have no I have no formal affiliation to your Yankees. I am an objective journalist. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so speaking of oh, objectivity, we usually, usually, we're on episode three, but usually we'll have everybody kind of come prepared with their own um, topic that they want to talk about, and we call it the venting corner, and you can rant, you can be excited about something, but this week we decided to kind of do a group session um, about the umpire tweet from earlier this week, and I recognize yes. that not everybody is on Twitter, but I think everybody has now seen this thing. And it was, something. I mean, it was something. It was hashtag something. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I need you guys to fill me in. So what actually happened in the game? Not a lot, honestly. To? Like, Manny Machado got ejected in a pretty standard, like, unhappy with a call, yet said some words to the ump. 
um, projected him. He stood there, said a few words that I won't say on this podcast. <laughs> and they, they did the, you know, that's a bleeping bad call. Get off the field. That's a bleeping bad call. Get off the field. And they repeated that ad nauseum. And then he like threw his bat, but he threw it like at the backstop. Wasn't going to hit anyone. But I think the umps alluded to it in the tweet that like he scared the people behind home plate as though like 100 mile per hour fastballs coming at their faces with the screen in front of them isn't scary. But someone flipping their bat that way is supposed to like cower them in fear. But it really was kind of, a, you know, it was Manny Machado. He was going to get his extra words in, but <laughs> it was kind of just a, an ejection and an argument. So so the reaction from the umpire, I mean, that's that's unprecedented. Am I correct? Like, have as you far ever as I'm seen aware. the umpire just completely directly call a specific player out like that publicly? Yeah. You know, the thing that was weird besides, I mean, I guess technology has, has made, has led to, I guess, it, an easy trigger finger for the umpires and just kind of say whatever they want, you know, but I mean, they're, you know, on Twitter right now. I did not know the umpires were, you know, were, uh, were as extremely online as me <laughs> with their many hashtags. Oh, you know, I think, I think the one of the, the, one of the things that really not to, that you can't miss about this tweet, um, is the preponderance of hashtags they use to share the entire breadth of human emotion, <laughs> you know, human Hashtag emotion experience. Violence experience you know when, when Manny Machado said some swear words to them <laughs> like um disappointed hashtag disappointed hashtag lead by example hashtag not appreciated hashtag violence hashtag temper tantrum <laughs> hashtag in action hashtag not tolerated hashtag make an example of Hashtag this is like your grandparents hashtag. learning how to use hashtags hashtag yeah. hashtag yeah hashtag repeat offender I feel like I feel like I just read the like twenty chain emails, man. It's a Mad Libs of like, you know, of like shares from your aunt, you know, like. Well, it's it's this- definitely like an older family member who who's fairly you know competent with social media, but doesn't understand hashtags. So it's like they just discovered that hashtags exist, and so now yes. they're like hashtagging every word, and it's it's painful to watch. But I mean, I think my my biggest complaint about it is well obviously i mean the the format itself it was terrible but the, the fact that players are held accountable if they have one bad word to say about an umpire after a game in a post-game interview or god help them if they were to go on social media and say something like that and i think was it um alex wood from the dodgers said the same thing and he, he said if we did anything like this we would be fined so where's the accountability with the uh, umpires mm-hmm. exactly like you know that 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 they are you know what it was it was it was really you know speaking of cop we talked about cop behavior with Madison Bumgarner this is cop behavior this yeah. is like this yes. is a dude, you know, whoever hopped on there to like write this clearly you know um gained themselves like above the law above like you know the general code of conduct within Major League Baseball which is like not to call out specific people. <laughs> you know, right, and um, not only that, it's not like they did it on their personal account. They did it on the like, what was it? The MLB Umpires Association was that what it was? Yeah. Like the official yeah. account. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was you know it, it was a, a blatant attack on 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 uh, Machado's character. Um, that uh, you know was whether you know whether warranted or not. I, I don't believe it was warranted. Uh, we warranted to to read his actions like that. It was entirely unprofessional to you know to. Um, Use their, you know, use their, their, their official communication 
channel to to say the things they did about him. And again, not just we don't appreciate his comment, temper tantrum, you know, right. like not nonsense, you know, like like all, all these sort of subjective projections and belittling on, things. You know? And 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 belittling, you know, you know the the way the way they 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 rent, you know, just the the way they it was so accusatory of violence without, you know. Oh, it was and, totally and, coded. And motive and motive, you know, behind the violence is just like uh, it is it, it, it's just it's quite it, it's it's really quite the quite the reach, you know. And, and I can't uh, imagine that they would do that for another player. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's Machado's reputation or what, but I can't imagine them call, like singling out another player like that. I mean, adding in the hashtag repeat offender is pretty right? gross to me. Like, you're at that point calling the player's reputation in and, and bringing back more than just one incident and, and suggesting mm -hmm. at that point that he wasn't out of line in that incident, but that there is something kind of holistically wrong with him and the way he composes himself, and that's that's pretty gross. Well, and the fact that that's coded language, but I mean, absolutely, but yeah, that's... and you can see too that and, and this is can... go ahead, ready, do it, preach. Uh, you could just see it. This has always grossed me out. You can see it in the games that power trip that they so often have, and that that authoritative kind of grossness for lack of a of a better term but you can see often in those interactions between the players and the umpire that the umpire is making it very clear that like you have to watch yourself around me because i can get you out, out of this game and you can't get me out of this game so shut up yeah and, and that's you know scary. Oh, well, and the broadcaster talk, talk about this sometimes, too, and they talk about, like, Brandon Belt, not always, you know, he, he's fairly well composed for, but when he starts to jaw at the umpires, they're always not, they don't, aren't saying it to him, but they're talking about him saying, you know, he has to be careful with how he treats this umpire because he's going to have to face this umpire for the rest of his career. And it's like, they don't, they don't get a say in that, you know? Right. Yeah, like that, like, that's, that, are, are you saying that you will break the rules? Because you don't like them, like is that that's a stunning. That's a, that's they're admitting it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. They are saying, okay, here's the Simpsons reference: the quiet part out loud. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, that's you know that that is exactly what they're what what they're doing. You know when when they uh, when they threaten to call the game less fairly based on uh, their dislike of well, you know of, of an athlete's conduct. And they're kind of already admitting that they already are because they're yeah. they, with the whole. Um, repeat offender it's like oh so clearly you already have a bias against this player and you're admitting mm -hmm. it so how can you be trusted to call a game fairly yeah right. yeah i bad. i that was the whole thing was bad what was what ended up coming from that did they end up they ended up issuing some kind of statement didn't they i think there was some uh, kind of uh yeah they issued something but i don't think i read it or i don't think it was supposed to be good the league okay. the league said that it was inappropriate okay but like they didn't get whatever. Of course, they didn't I don't get think fined. they got reprimanded or anything. Naturally. Naturally. So it goes. <laughs> okay. So Bradford, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of uh, promote your work. So where can people find your work at? Obviously, the New York Daily News. But do you have anything else? So yeah, there's there's one there's there's one thing um, besides you know my writing in general and or my dumb tweets um is is this uh, uh you know uh cease the bath you know like i said you know, like i alluded to he's he, he's more than just 
an excellent, an excellent pitcher, you know, um, ending his career soon. But uh, he means a lot to me, particularly as a uh, African-American man who watched, you know, this uh, this guy um, pitch uh, who is, you know, and, and, one, and he's one of the few, you know, uh, black pitchers in the game as as Dwight was when I, you know, when I was, when the, you know, when I was a kid. And it's even more pronounced today. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he, w- that milestone he crossed the 250 wins is one that not a lot of pitchers are going to cross going forward, given, given the way, you know, if you follow, if you follow the game, if you're a nerd about it, um, pitchers are coming out early, a lot more, a lot more relief pitchers, you know, um, way less, you know, just, just way less, uh, decisions that lead to win loss records. Um, but so it's, so it's not only just rare in baseball, but especially rare given that there are so few African-Americans and, and, I, I wrote it recently about what, you know, about how that came to be and what that might mean for uh baseball institution. Um, uh, you know, the, the future of the game being played by people who are not just, you know, privileged upper middle class travel team kids, but dudes from Vallejo, from Vallejo high, uh, who come from regular backgrounds, um, you know, who uh, like to flat, like, you know, who, who like, who like to be themselves and not just kind of, I need to fit in to the, you know, predominantly white cultural, you know, hegemony, like, you know, uh, probably pronounce that, that word wrong, but I've read it a million times. I can't pronounce it, but like, yeah, that's right. you know, like, like <laughs> but, but the, you know, but, but, uh, but dude, dudes who don't, you know, dudes like CC who don't, who don't fit into that, you know, um, who, you know, who don't want to conform, who, you know, who, who are them, who are themselves, who, who rep their towns with pride. They, uh, you know, they're sadly more than a dying breed. They have been, you know, in many in many ways erased through a lack of embrace of cultures that don't fit, you know, that don't fit into this white upper middle class sort of like you know predominance that you see in baseball. And they're and you know and they're and that and that it's a it's not it's not a new conversation that I hope to start or anything like that. But I just wanted to to make sure that that wasn't that that was said as we remembered, you know, CC's win. And so I certainly hope hope that. whether whether you you read, you know what I share in the daily news or not, that you know that that uh, you appreciate uh, CC's rarity to the game beyond just his uh, ability to, you know, win lots of ball games. So uh, that's you know that that's the only one thing that that I I hope if you know if you spent if you got if you got through this much you know listening to me rant about the Simpsons and whatnot. That you would uh like uh that you yeah. know and you, you hear that. We'll go ahead and make sure we link to that in the article um for this uh, podcast. So if you're listening to this, it should be up. And um, where can people find you on social media? Oh yeah, you uh you can hit me at uh underscore b e e w i l l y. That reads you know b Willie, a bad nickname for Brad William Davis. I can never figure. I've, I've changed my Twitter handle too many times, but. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's me right now. Underscore B Willie. Um, again, that's B E W I L L Y. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm pretty active and uh, on Twitter. Lots of you know, lots of weirdness. I try I try and be myself. And uh, see if you, if you can rock with that, I feel bad for you, but I'm glad that you're here <laughs> at the same at the same time. And no okay. tweets with like 12 different hashtags in them, so yeah. you're doing well. Well, not not uh, unironically, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe I'm not doing. Maybe maybe there's a there's a new level to my tweeting that I haven't reached yet that I just need to you know. There you follow, go. Follow, you know, the umpires union. 
So I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll I'll, I'll I'll contact my local umpire union <laughs> and uh, you know and, and get some coaching on on uh, you know who would, who would I who, what would I what would my twelve hashtags be? Would it be like what are the things I like? Cookies, <laughs> um, you know, com- comfortable socks, <laughs> um, clean computer screens. You know, like oh man, that was it. Yeah. All right, I got it. <laughs> whole new, whole new B Willie coming, coming out. That was probably my my favorite part about that day. Well, was because I missed that tweet, so I had no idea what anyone was talking about. I just logged on, and it was all sorts of like, you know how everybody does their own joke version of it. It was just nonstop, really lengthy hashtag ridden tweets, and I was like, "What is happening? I've clearly missed something." It's a good day um, okay. to be online. Yeah, or a bad day to be off. Yeah. Um, that's how, though, I feel like that's how it always goes, though, because when sometimes you'll miss something like that and you log on and you're 90% sure all of your friends have lost their mind. <laughs> okay, we like to wrap up the show with the, well, the cocktail corner we'll go with. Um, Brady, did you have another one for this week? Of course I have another one for this week. Yay. Um, so... I just got back a few weeks ago from Yosemite, which my family and I go to usually once or twice a year as our kind of family reunions. And my dad, one year, maybe like 10 years ago or so, we decided we should have some margaritas while we were there. So we went and we got, you know, a crappy handle of you know margarita mix that was like $30 because everything was so marked up at the stores. Um, and we drank it all in like an hour. Oh my god! <laughs> it, which is, we have a, a five-person family. I should I should point out, okay. and occasionally significant others. So you know, just so that no one gets any horrible ideas. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't like. You know, we didn't find you like in a waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was thinking it was just you and we, your dad just pounding. We, we get a nice tap and, and we we drink them. You know, on the porch rather than you know on the top of the mountains. Um, so we're very responsible, but after that, my dad decided, well, it would be a lot cheaper, obviously, if we just made some margaritas rather than buying the crappy mix, it'll be better and cheaper. So he made, uh, I think two handles of margaritas the next time that we went to Yosemite and we drank all of those in like two days into our like week long stay. And then everyone was grumpy about not having margaritas. So now when we go to Yosemite, he packs like literally seven or eight handles of margaritas um, and whatever doesn't get consumed gets sent home with me and my siblings who, you know, are coming out for the trip. So with that said, his margarita recipe, which is the most refreshingly delicious, probably inauthentic, but outstanding recipe, two cups of tequila, this this will make a big like party batch, two okay. cups of tequila, okay. two cups of lime juice. <laughs> One and a half cups of triple sec and a half cup of agave. And you can just get like an empty tequila bottle, put it all in that, shake it up, and you just have margaritas ready to go whenever you want them. They are fantastic. So that is my story slash cocktail. Well, there you go. See? (laughs) It worked. It worked. Good advertising. Bradford, did you have one? So I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. Um, (laughs) I'm not a mixologist. I can I tell start you. Making Brady go second. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, it's all good. It's all good. I, I, yeah, I don't have the party mix, but um, I can tell you two things that I enjoy drinking this week. One was frankly just I like bourbon a lot, 
So uh, I can recommend uh, Rowan's Creek as a very good, uh, you know, bourbon. Um, I don't know if they, y'all have it in the West, but, you know, but my little liquor store has it. And it's pretty tasty. It's, you know, it's very Kentucky. Uh, my, my friend from Lexington put me onto it. So uh, sounds cool. And then, um, man, uh, for the mix. Uh, so, like, I'm washed and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I look at calories now. And so uh, I've been drinking this uh, this variation of seltzer called Spindrift. Um, it is a uh, it's like Lacroix, Lacroix, whatever. Um, uh-huh. But there is like a splash of juice, and it adds like you know eight calories to the can, but like it but but it like adds eight hundred percent more flavor. It is truly delicious. <laughs> it doesn't um, taste I, I, like a ghost is whispering. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. There, you know, you know, n- none of the Lacroix memes apply to this. It's like it's it's. <laughs> It's actually good, not like pretend good. If I'm drinking, say, like you know the uh, the orange mango uh, spindrift, you know, spiking that with a little bit of like Evan Williams is quite good, and like a sugar and like a sugar cookie. Again, I like I like cookies. Hashtag cookies. Hashtag they're good. <laughs> hashtag enjoy them. Hashtag, hashtag action. Hashtag not disappointed. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, uh, a tag of Buster ESPN so that Buster only knows <laughs> how I feel <laughs> about this mixer. Um, but yeah, so no, I'm, 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 you know, that, that those, those, you know, I, I like neat bourbon and if I want a little, uh, variety in my, you know, my life, I'll just, I'll, I'll pick out a spinch of can from the fridge and, you know, and add that with, uh, some, some Evan and I'm, I'm, I'm good, yo. So is bourbon like the official uh, adult beverage choice of baseball writers? Like, that seems to be that seems to be how uh, I've noticed it to be. Is it really? I thought it was. uh, I feel. I thought it was like a a Mad Men thing that, like, I just decided to try. You know, maybe yeah. Why not? Right? I mean, baseball. Baseball writers are all white men. As as are you know, I imagine Don Draper if he's alive still, like you know. No, but I mean, it's you know. not just it's it's like it's weird. It's like women, everybody. It's it's like it's like Springsteen. It's like a requirement to be a baseball writer. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show, but Bradford, it was great to have you here with us. We really appreciate it. You too, Brady. Yeah, I, I, well, I appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank All you, right. Sammy. Thank you, Bradford. Bye. Big thanks to Bradford and Brady for joining me this week. Make sure you subscribe to the McCovey Croncast channel so you can catch new episodes from us, as well as the regular Croncast hosted by Brian Murphy and an upcoming prospect podcast with Roger Munter. Join us next week as I sit down with Jamie Neal, who will catch us up on the Oakland A's. Thanks for listening.